0: Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, lagonvalleyvineyard.com. Today, we are gonna be kicking off a brand new teaching series, which is gonna take us all the way up to Advent. So let me take a few moments and set the scene for us. It was the night before he would die. And Jesus gathered together his friends around a table to meet with them, to share a meal with them, and to teach them. Jesus loved all of those who were sat around this table. He loved them to the very end. Yet this night, he didn't just want to speak of his love. He wanted to show it. He wanted to act it out. And so he got up from the table. He wrapped a towel around his waist, He picked up a basin and he filled it with water. And one by one, he would wash the feet of the disciples, including the disciple who was just about to betray him. And from this intimate act of love, Jesus would rise to his feet and say to his disciples, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. And as he sits down and as he begins to teach, we find that there's one disciple who is reclining next to Jesus. At times, he is leaning right up against him, close enough to hear Jesus' whisper. This disciple, intimately leaning up on Jesus, is John. John, who was fully at home, resting in this position of abiding, so aware of how much he was loved that he unashamedly nicknames himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. So close to Jesus and so aware of his love, John, from only inches away, would hear the culmination of Jesus' teaching that night. A new command I give you, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. Roll on a number of decades and we find John as an elder with a life well lived. He is leading a set of house churches in and around the city of Ephesus. And these churches have faced a crisis moment because in these churches there was this group of people who were denying key aspects of the Christian faith. They were denying whether Jesus was human or not and they were saying that sin either wasn't a big deal or sin was something that they never committed. And this false teaching, it was wrecking these churches. It was a moment of crisis, so much so that John describes this group of people as antichrists. He could have gone for gangsters, rascals, sons of guns, but no, he goes for antichrists. Like, jeez, like that's not a good word. Please, whatever you do, don't use that word tomorrow in the office whenever somebody annoys you, right? But I guess his language points out just how serious this crisis was. And so he responds to the crisis by putting pen to paper and writing down a set of teaching that would have been passed around all of the churches in and around Ephesus, and we get to read it today as the book of 1 John. John responds to crisis with a reminder. He doesn't share anything new, but instead he reminds the churches of what he himself heard that night as he leaned up against Jesus. He takes the teachings of Jesus from chapters 13 to 17 of his own gospel and he invites the churches in and around Ephesus to remember what it is all really about. It's all about love. It's all about us learning to abide in the love of Jesus and go from that place to love one another and love the world. The crisis that we have faced and are still continuing to face has not been theological, but it's been a crisis all the same. It's been a crisis that has disrupted our lives, disrupted our hopes, it's disrupted our community rhythms. The COVID crisis has worn us out. It's knackered many of us. For some of us, it has left our faith feeling a little bit fragile. And listen, I know that some of you have had the best of times over the course of the past 18 months. New things have happened, exciting things. God has moved in your life, and that is wonderful. But for many of us, the past 18 months has numbed us out. It has thrown us off course and has left us feeling at a little bit of a distance, distance from God and distance from each other. And so with that, over the next couple of months, we are gonna turn to the writings of the disciple who leans up against Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved. We too are going to respond to the crisis that we are facing with the simple reminder to receive the simple gospel, that we are loved. We are loved with a love that changes everything. We've been invited to receive the love of Jesus and be so changed by it, so that we are able to offer that same kind of love to each other and to the world. Regardless of what has passed over the course of the past 18 months, What would it look like for you to come home what would it look like for you to come home to the love of jesus and to remain there recline there and never leave what would it look like for you to rediscover the truth that god's love is the beginning of new life that god's love for you and for the world is the experience that brings everything else into wholeness in light of everything that we have faced what if we began to lean up against Jesus once again, and in doing so, experience love come alive? So let's begin. Can I invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1? It's right at the end of the New Testament. Turn with me to the book of First John. And if you're able, can I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word? The words of John, come Holy Spirit, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have touched and our hands, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, the life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Father, given to us so that we may practice the way of Jesus and be filled over and over and over again by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. You can grab a seat. Keep your Bibles open with me as we work through today. John begins his teaching in the same way that he began his gospel, by echoing the words of Genesis. In the beginning, Jesus was there, the word of life, the creator of creation. Yet at precisely the right time, the Messiah, Emmanuel, the son of God, he made his home amongst us. Through Jesus, we have encountered God himself, We've experienced love covered over in flesh. John wants us to know just how closely Jesus drew to humanity, so much so that he was able to lean right up against him. John uses his experience of the incarnation to set up his central point, the thing that we're gonna be coming back to again and again over the next few months, and we read of it in verse three for the first time. Jesus would draw so closely to us to humanity, that he would establish a new kind of family, or as John would say in verse three, a fellowship. Now whenever John would have been writing this letter, he would have written the word koinonia, it's a Greek word, which speaks of participation, actively engaging in the God life. And verse three, John points out that we have been invited into a fellowship which has got a long family history because it's the family of father, son, and spirit. This family, it is so deeply attached, it's so bound together in love, and we get to see this play out a number of times in the life of Jesus, particularly at his baptism, whenever he rises from the waters to hear the Father speak over him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And yet, the glory of it all is that there is an invitation to be part of this family, And it's been extended, not just to those who saw love covered over in flesh, but it's also been extended to us today. We have been invited home into the family of God, receiving the same kind of love that the Father, Son, and Spirit get to share. Jesus would put it like this to his disciples. This is going to appear on the screen. Words of Jesus from John 17. The same glory you gave them, I gave them. So they'll be unified and together as we are, I and them, and you and me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me. And please hear this and love them in the same way you've loved me. Don't miss what Jesus is saying here. We are loved in the same way that Jesus is loved. The Father's love for me is in direct proportion to his love for Jesus. It's one and the same. The Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. We are his beloved. But here's the thing. The invitation to the family table extends further than just to you and just to me. It's not just Father, Son, Spirit, and Stu Bothwell sat around the table of God, although that would be delightful. As we're going to see time and time again over the next couple of weeks, all of us who follow Jesus have been grafted into this new humanity, this new family. And so the love that we receive and the love that we are to share with one another, it's a love that's entangled. This love is tethered together as one. The church Well, the church is the tribe that has been caught up into the Trinity, and it comes alive whenever our communion with Jesus and our being in community with one another come together. So often we want to separate things out, right? For some of us, our faith simply revolves around community, being together, being mates, and there's not a ton of communion going on behind the scenes of our lives. By communion, I mean each of us intentionally being with Jesus, enjoying his presence, following after him, going after what he sees and what he says with our whole lives. And yet on the other hand, some of us can kind of just take or leave community, right? Me and Jesus have got our own thing going on, we're doing well, we don't need anybody else. We're kind of happy to keep the God life to ourselves. And yet, it is in our communion behind the scenes that we are formed into Jesus' love. This is a love that is to be shared. It's a love that loves to give, never getting. It's a love to be shared with each other as brothers and sisters, as the family of God. And as we bless each other with that kind of love that we have received, we get to experience transformation in community. Beyond that, we also get to experience the transformation of this world. Following Jesus without fellowship makes no sense in Jesus's vision for the church. And yet, our fellowship, it only comes alive whenever we are intentionally following after Jesus behind the scenes of our lives. What I'm trying to say is a true Christian community, it begins with your communion. And this is why being a part of a tribe is so important this year. This is the best space to be able to work this stuff out so can I really encourage you, tribes kick off from tomorrow night all the way throughout this week. Can I really encourage you today to sign up and be part of a tribe? And yet, at the same time, can I encourage you to invest in your intimate communion with Jesus behind the scenes? Order your life around his presence. And whether things like three, two, one 1 are able to help you in that, go for it. Because as you invest in your relationship with Jesus behind the scenes, the community that you will go and be a part of will be formed by love, formed by the same love that you are receiving. We're going to talk about a lot of that stuff over the next few weeks. That is just merely a preview. But for today, before we come to worship and minister to one another, I want to ask you a question. Would you, like John, be able to nickname yourself a disciple whom Jesus loves. Could you do that? Would you feel comfortable describing yourself like that? I love how unashamed John is, but my hunch is that for many of us, maybe most of us, we would be uncomfortable defining ourselves in those terms even though it is our new birthright. We struggle to see ourselves as beloved disciples Because the song of sheer grace that the Lord is singing over us, it gets drowned out by the clashing symbols of our feelings and our shortcomings, right? So often we get hung up on the things in our lives that make us feel guilty, things that fill us with a sense of shame. And yet, remember, 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 the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Towards the end of today's teaching text, John is wanting to make it really clear that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not even our sins, not even our shame, not even our shortcomings are able to hold us back. We fear going to Jesus with our wrongs, the things that we have gone, done, gone and done against him. We try to hide those things away from his view. But I want you to hear this today. Today. Whenever you come to Christ and confess your need for him, your need for grace, your need for mercy, your need for love, you are going with the flow of Jesus' deepest desire. You're not going against the flow because whenever we go to him longing for help, his grace and his love, all we ever receive is grace. Jesus doesn't get annoyed whenever you come to him. He doesn't get annoyed whenever we come to him with our stuff. No, in fact, he lives for this. He died for this. His heart is not drained whenever we come to him. His heart is filled all the more as we come to him. It is Jesus's utter joy to forgive us. So much so that he doesn't just forgive us, but as John says here, he purifies us or he erases the stain of haunting memories of things that we have done or left undone. This grace, it doesn't mean that we should be thinking, well, you know what, screw it. I can live in whatever way I want. No, we're invited into holiness. We're invited into living a congruent life. And we're gonna talk about that a lot more next week. But John is wanting to make it really clear here. If, more likely, when we sin, remember, Jesus has died for all of your sins, past, present, and future. And right now, in this moment, He is sat by the Father, more likely leaning up against him, and he is interceding for us. He's praying for us. He's advocating for us, and he is literally presenting his life, his death, his resurrection, and his love before the Father in a moment-by-moment way, so that all the Father sees is the love that Jesus has for us, and all we ever receive is the love of the Father. What am I trying to say? Jesus' is saving grace, it always outpaces and it always overwhelms our wrongdoing. God's love is indiscriminate. It is kind, it is tender, and it is furious, and his favor, it rests upon those who seem least deserving of it, and I, for one, can put myself in that category. Despite my inability to get things right... Jesus just stretches out his hands from east to west and through a love that can transform the world, he embraces me and invites me to come right home. Out of this crisis, I think many of us, if not most of us, we simply need to hear the words of secure grace. God loves you as you are, not as you should be. Whatever is going on, whatever has happened over the course of the past 18 months, whatever you're carrying with you as you come into church today, Jesus will forever draw close and invite you to draw closer and closer into him. Now, this requires a really radical readjustment of how we see God and how we see ourselves, particularly if we have grown up In and around here in Northern Ireland, and particularly if we have grown up in the church in Northern Ireland. Because here's the thing: God is not out to get you. He's not angry. He's not playing hard to get. His very being is love. And he wants to draw you closer and closer still. And you? Well, you're seen by God exactly as Jesus is seen by God. You're loved. You're not the mistakes that you've made. You're not the plans that have come to nothing. You're not what people say about you. You're not your shame. You're embraced by the Father. You have his ring on your finger, his cloak on your back, and you've been welcomed to come home at the feast at his table. In Christ, you're accepted. You're anointed. You're sealed. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're free. You're Christ's love. You're God's child and your spirit's home. The love of God can now be your north star directing you through life. It can be the burning, orientating center of your life. You can be those who proclaim with such a robust assurance the words of Song of Songs, I am the beloved's, and his desire, it's for me. Despite all that's gone on, despite all that may be going on right now, Jesus is inviting you closer and closer and closer He's inviting you to lean right up against him. Nothing needs to separate you apart. Or to put it another way, each of you, you are a disciple whom Jesus loves. Hannah, do you want to come on up? Particularly for those of you who feel as if there has been a bit of distance between you and God's love over the past year and a half, can I remind you of a simple, simple truth? Love cannot be love without presence. Love can't be experienced at a distance. C.S. Lewis has this wonderful line, it's going to appear on the screen. He compares friendship with love and he says this friends stand side by side, absorbed in some common interest, but lovers are normally face to face, absorbed in one another. I know that M. loves me. I, I, I know that but it's only in her presence that I get to experience that love in its fullness. Love cannot be love if it's at a distance. And Jesus never forces his love upon us, that's not his way, he simply invites us in. But it's by us intentionally drawing close to Jesus, face to face, being with him, that we begin to find ourselves experiencing his love over and over and over again. And so even if it's been a while, can I graciously invite you to start small and carve out moments in your day for prayer, for worship, for quietly resting, for reading and listening to the words of Jesus. Just begin to draw yourself closer into his presence because trust me, as you begin to do that, even in small and simple ways, the experience of God's love in your life will grow and grow and grow. But we're not going to wait around until we get to do that. We're going to practice that right now. And so I want to invite us to stand together as we come to respond and as we come to worship. I want to invite us to take a few moments. I know there's been a lot that's gone on this morning. So I want to invite you just to center yourself in this moment. It might be helpful to close your eyes. It might might be helpful just to take a few deep breaths in and out just to be here let's just wait for a few moments and let's just rest open to the Holy Spirit come Lord minister to us, move amongst us show us your love Lord John could have sat anywhere around that table that night, but he chose to be as close to Jesus as much as he possibly could be. And regardless of what has been going on in your life, regardless of whatever you're carrying today, Jesus does what he always does. He comes, incarnates himself, he makes his dwelling amongst us right in the thick of our lives. He draws so near to us, that we are able to lean right up against him. And so, if you are longing for the love of Jesus to come alive in your life, for your first love to be awakened once again, can I invite you just to respond in this moment simply just by placing a hand over your heart? And as you do that, I wanna invite you to take the next couple of moments just in this stillness to begin to pray. Begin to simply talk to Jesus. It may have been a while, but that's okay. You're here now. Just begin to pray to him. You may need to lay some things down. You may need to confess some things, and that's okay. Do that knowing that his mercies are already yours. So just begin in this moment to pray. a moment of reconnection this is a moment of grace this is a moment of homecoming just enjoy communicating intimately with him you just release your love over our lives would you lavish your love upon us would you fill us to overflowing with grace with mercy Lord we want to draw so much closer to you and so may your love come alive Holy Spirit make us more aware of your presence help us to recognize how close that you are fill us in love i want to invite you just to remain in this space for just a few moments we are going to sing Hannah's going to lead us in a song but it's a song of longing it's a song of intimacy it's a song of desperation can i just invite you to stay in this place of connecting intimately with jesus as we worship him